force of nature. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Google Play Music and on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on the Overcast app for iOS. Plus, if you still aren't aware, NHTE is available on Spotify, so be sure to follow the show on there. As this episode is released, we will have just three days ago, on February 17th, passed the five-year anniversary for NHTE. Thrilled to be continuing this show and doing so here on location in Anaheim, California at the Winter NAM Show with my guest who is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. She was on The Voice and American Idol. Her album released last August has gained over 3 million streams and she has also had success with honors on the video side. She will be performing in no fewer than nine different states and has also performed on the Vans Warped Tour. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Love Her Better. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Jessica Muse. Hey, 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 what's up? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> we are here at the NAM show in Anaheim, and you're probably listeners going to hear us, I don't want to say get interrupted, but there's going to be some background music that me and Jessica are just going to power through this. So in the meantime, the song that you were hearing at the beginning was Jessica's song called Love Her Better. Tell the listeners about that song. Well, everything I write, including Love Her Better, is usually about something I've actually experienced. So with Love Her Better, I actually was in a really crappy relationship with this guy who I guess thought it was okay to cheat on me, but not just with anybody, with his ex-girlfriend and oh, a married boy. lady two oh different boy. people and I was like ew gross yuck and I broke up with him and I was just kind of angry after that because why would you even be in a relationship I've never understood that mindset and what it really takes to be that way so I was in my car it was kind of chilly outside and I was in Birmingham Alabama and I remember I got locked out of a studio I was going to just do a quick cover song and I I had heard what is it send my love to your new lover by Adele and that's actually what got me rolling on this. And I was like, hmm, I hope you love her better. Wow. And I pulled out my guitar in my car, in my driver's seat, and I'm wow. all scrunched up. <laughs> and I just started writing it. And I wrote the whole thing right then and there. Really? And uh, then Love Her Better was born. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that was kind of a, uh, the bad news is I'm locked out. The good news is I've got this song idea and I've got my guitar. It's all about how you react to your situations. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Life gave you lemons and you made lemonade. Yeah, I put a little bit of vodka in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a long way from home, right? You live in Alabama yes, still. currently, yeah. Okay. And I understand that last night you went to your first Los Angeles Lakers game. Yes, is I that, did. Is that true? Too bad they didn't freaking win. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this is not your first time in, Los An in the greater Los Angeles area. Oh, no. Area. People think I live here. I'm here all the time. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. always like, where, where do you live? Where are you from? Because they hear the accent, but then they're confused because I'm always out here. And you're going to be performing a little later today. Yeah. Um, but is this your first NAM show or no? So when I first got fresh off of American Idol, I did perform at NAM. I want to say it was the Hilton stage inside by the lobby. 
And ever since then, I've just kind of been attending and working with the booths at different brands. And this is my first time back since then. Okay. Okay. Well, getting back to the song, Love Her Better, boy, listeners, you're going to have to go and watch this video because the video, the music video for Love Her Better has garnered honors at multiple film festivals. Uh, The Nevada International Film Festival announced the release as a 2018 Platinum Reel Award winner. The video has also been an official selection at both the Great Lakes Film Festival and Laughlin International Film Festival. And this was filmed... Settle a bet. I think it's pronounced Maldives. I've heard people say the Maldives. I say Maldives. Okay. Um, so it was filmed there, but you were performing a number of concerts there. Yep. That's how you had the opportunity to film that I there. I told my manager, I said, I want to go to the Maldives. And I sent him a picture of bioluminescent plankton because I'm a science nerd. And he said, okay, make it happen. I said, okay, I will. So I found a resort and I figured out that they had music at one of the little bars there. And I was like, I want to play here. And he was like, well, damn. And it happened. Boom, for my birthday. I had a Tropical Paradise birthday party. I had four shows out in the Maldives, and I recorded a music video. But the video, was that you were already there and thought, wow, this is so beautiful. Yep. We should do a video. Exactly. It wasn't planned. Nope, like, we're going to go play some shows, all. and let's do a video while we're and there. And the it, video, in most of the edits that you see, it was recorded for Bedstock, which is the Children's Cancer Association. So what you do is you sing in a bed for the kids who can't leave theirs. So I utilized the hammock for that. And uh, it was part of that whole kind of online thing. And Ed Sheeran's participated in it, um, Jack Johnson, and a lot of artists like that. So it Ed was, Sheeran, who yesterday was right back there ooh, doing a little, and the listeners can't see because they're going, wait a minute, this is a podcast. I can't see what's he pointing to. That's but so awesome. Jessica and I are sitting in the media center here at the NAM show. And yeah, yesterday I was doing interviews at that back table oh, wow. over there. And then all of a sudden, Ed Sheeran was behind me. Did you fangirl? I would have fangirled. Uh, Wendy did, but I didn't. Ooh, she, I would have She, she fangirled, out. she took his picture, and then she put it on Instagram and said, I fangirled. Yep, <laughs> I know that feeling. But that's the cool thing about the NAM show is not only, you know, the, the Ed Sheerans of the world showing up, mm-hmm. but people like you getting to see colleagues that you go, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in five <laughs> we gotta years. we got to act or, so chill about it. we got to act like we're not freaking out inside. Well, but I mean people that you may have written or performed oh, yeah. with at some point mm-hmm. that you say, wow, I haven't seen this person in two years, and they live in this state, and I live in Alabama, and we yeah. had to come all the way to California to see oh, each other. Oh, it's so much fun. I've bumped into people that I had no idea were going to NAM, and this is my first time here at this NAM specifically for this round, but I have bumped into a lot of friends before. I've bumped into people from Slap Out Alabama. I'm like, what are you doing here? It's cool. Yeah, Slap Out Alabama. I saw that, uh-huh. and I went... Slap out Alabama. I can't say that I've ever heard of There's that. There's like 10 people there. We all know one another. <laughs> I introduced you as a multi-instrumentalist, guitar, piano, and classical violin. Yeah, actually, violin was my first instrument. And I picked that up when I was a little older. A lot of people, when they start classical instruments like that, and they're actually being trained, they start when they're very young because their parents kind of say, hey, you should probably try to do this. But I went off on my own when I was about, I don't know, maybe 12 I don't even know how old I was. But I just remember my brother got a violin because he just wanted to play. And I told my mom, I want one too. She goes, oh, God, she's going to steal it from him if I don't get her one. (laughs) So she had to get me one as well. And I just took off with it, and I started playing. I worked my way from the back of the section to principal second violin. I always really liked playing the second part for some reason. I just like 
I don't know, being the, the voice underneath was so much fun to me, and I got to hear all the different parts come together. And it's definitely helped me with how I hear music to this day. And then which came next, piano or guitar? I taught myself guitar when I was in middle school. So I would sit in the basement. I was a loser in high school, by the way. Like, I had, like, no friends. And so I didn't go out and party. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't nothing. Boys didn't like me. They had cooties to me. So I stayed (laughs) home, and I sat in my room, and I just taught myself guitar. And I'll never forget when I started learning bar chords, and I was like, damn, this hurts. My hand was so sore. But it was worth it. I powered through it, and... You know, I still work very hard at it. I'm, I know I'm not like a shredder by any means, but I really <laughs> love playing. Okay, so at that point, you're a double threat, and you decide to let's go to piano too. So I picked so, up so piano. So why, why do you decide to go to piano also and not just stick with violin and, and guitar? Because to me, piano is chromatic, and it's such an important instrument for any musician, I think, to be able to reference. Because you can literally find every note right there, and it's so visualized that you can just... I don't know. For my brain, it helps me connect a lot of things. Like when I'm building a chord, uh, it's a lot easier to see the keys in front of me and understand why versus picking around on a fret. And sometimes it's four and sometimes it's five because ENF is a half step and not a whole, you know? You can actually see that on a piano. And also it helps with pitch because it's kind of programmed into a piano. Wow. Wow. And then the voice, were you, were you singing? Was it, was it, well, my first instrument was voice and then violin, or when did you actually really start getting into singing? Um, I was always a singer. So even when I was a little kid, my, I, would, I would challenge myself. It was like a game to memorize as many songs on the radio as possible. Like, you can ask my mom. I would not shut up. I was very loud. Even when I was a baby, I was working on my lung capacity. I cried and screamed. <laughs> my mom couldn't take me anywhere, any public places. She, the one place she could take me was like a big cafeteria in Texas because it was already so loud, but literally nowhere else. Okay, so you're going to have to help me through a, a, a few different, like you're doing here with, with the different instruments. So uh-huh. for openers, listeners, there's a lot of different honors that Jessica has earned. I was mentioning that the video for Love Her Better is one such example. Before I get into the others, let's just get back to that video for a minute. Mm -hmm. I watched the video and I wondered, you know, how does it get the attention of all these film festivals? I mean, I I want you to understand the spirit in which I'm saying this. In other words, it's not this big, Mm -hmm. elaborate, multi-million dollar production. It's you on the beach. With an uh, iPhone. Yeah. Wow, really? It was filmed with an iPhone. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. It was on an iPhone 7. But so then these festivals, I take it that y'all were submitting to these festivals? So several of them, my manager and I, we just, mostly him for that, because I wasn't even really aware of several of those festivals. I'm more of like the creator and the musician, and I'll find musical opportunities, but the the video stuff was kind of not at the forefront of my mind so he took initiative and submitted i think all of those and whenever something bites he would tell me and i was like oh that's awesome i had no idea so it was like a huge fun surprise for me okay i was going to ask you your reaction oh, when yeah. all of a sudden you find I was out like, that what how did that happen he's like well i submitted a couple months ago and i was like oh cool yeah, that, that's amazing. And it's not like it was one small little contest. There was multiple, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Then you were also named the best female, I'm sorry, you were a finalist for best female vocalist 
uh, the 14th Annual International Acoustic Music Awards, which was a little over a year ago, November mm -hmm. of 2017. This one here, uh, help me understand the, the Texas aspect, because you were nominated for 2017 Female Vocalist of the Year through the Texas Country Music Association. So I was born in Texas. So I'm, I'm very, very country at my core. And I actually went back to Texas and I tried what you would call a real job for one year. And it obviously, I mean, look where I am now. It didn't really work. <laughs> but while I was there, I found a lot of like Texas country is like its own animal. So that's a huge thing in the red dirt music out that way. And it's very different from the country music you'll hear on the radio. And I kind of got involved with several of those events. And when the flood happened in Houston and stuff, I lived in Houston for a year. And I, mm. I mean, it was a big part of my life. It was a big chapter of my life, even though it was a short one. But it was like coming back home in a way because I hadn't been in Texas for a very long time. But do you... Because of your quote-unquote proximity to Texas, meaning in Alabama, mm -hmm. do you try to stay in touch with Texas, go back and forth from time to time? Yeah, I mean, I have several friends out there. I have a lot of musical people out there. And if they want me for a show, they always know they can call me. They're all good people. And to me, the world is so small. You can get anywhere in one day. I'm a traveler. I'm a wanderer. I, I can be wherever I need to be whenever I need to be there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we are also living in an age, listeners, where you can do so much differently on your own these days than you used to be able to. For instance, uh, a few weeks ago when Aaron Hoagland was the guest, he talked about how you used to have to go to a recording studio, and now you can do so much by yourself. I'm talking about all the great gear that's available from Tascam, including what Jessica and I are using here on location at the NAM show for this interview, including what I use when I'm not on the road and I record now here this entertainment all the time, thanks to all the great gear that I have from Tascam, the audio interface that I use, different microphones that I use there, even different headphones that I use there. But if you're recording on your own and you want to do stuff at home, whether it's a demo, whether it's a single, whether it's an EP, a full album, make sure you check out all that Tascam has to offer. If you're a performer, meaning that you do live shows and you want your live show to be recorded, Tascam has solutions for that too. So check out all the different options that they have available at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Jessica, it is said that you have wowed audiences since the age of 10. How and where at, at the age of 10? Because I'm, I'm picturing the living room. <laughs> Actually, the first time I performed in public, I was attending a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic, so it was a really scary time in my life because not being that denomination, I kind of I, I was bullied a lot. And uh, they had a talent show, and I thought, screw it, I'm going to sing. And I had very intense stage fright. I actually have really bad anxiety, and it's uh, very tough to live with sometimes. I get a little bit of social anxiety, and I'm, I just I feel weird. I feel different. So I got up on the stage, and I started singing, and then I started crying. Oh, no. And I covered my face, oh, and no. I was so scared, and my hands went numb, and I, I was just freaking out. And then... I looked probably pretty insane because I started laughing because I thought I look so stupid standing up here crying and started judging myself and critiquing myself. And I was like, I'm already here. I might as well finish the song. 
And I did. And I got on the talent show, and I sang at the talent show. And then all of a sudden, all the kids who were mean to me wanted to be my friend. And they're like, oh, you're so good. But that was the first time that I sang in public. And... You know, I just kept singing and singing and getting all different sizes of audiences and working through my stage fright. And I think you could say I'm probably over it now. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like that initial experience. I'm at a point in my life where if you don't like me, I don't really care because I'm happy and I love what I do. And that's what matters. And that's also a big part of my message. So. Well, and that's why there's so many different genres of music. Exactly. Because there's people different being themselves. For different folks. Yeah. You can't exactly. worry about what other people think. That's not your business. Exactly. So then fast forward to the age of 20, and you won the statewide artist showcase, Stars of Alabama. What, what was that? So that was actually before I did American Idol. There was like a big competition in, I believe it was Eclectic, Alabama. It was, it was very close to home. And I. I remember I sang Sound of Silence, and I was so worried I was going to forget some of the words because there are a lot of words in that song, and it's very easy to jumble up the verses. But I, I didn't mess up, and everything went well, and then I think I got third place. So, And listeners, the reason that I'm covering all this ground with Jessica is twofold. Number one, we've been fortunate to get listeners to this show from 141 countries around the world, so I know there's a lot of you who are just being introduced to her for the first time and so it's always good to know someone's background and where they've come from and you know what they built upon to get to where they are now uh, but secondly it's also to show those of you who are listening that are aspiring performers yourself who are up and comers that you need to cut your teeth on this stuff and get your experience and go through some of these trials and tribulations and overcome these challenges yeah. <laughs> so that you are prepared for the bigger stages that everybody has visions of getting mm-hmm. to and kind of know you know where someone started from that you don't just decide I want to be successful in music and wake up the next day and you're successful in music there's no such thing as an overnight success those usually take 10 plus years (laughs) exactly so to that end the experience you were on season three of the voice you made it to the blind auditions even though no chairs turned, I still have to believe that had to be a really great experience for you to kind of understand that whole world. And The voice was very hard for me. It, I had just turned 21. It was my first time ever in Hollywood. I had never even been to California before. Wow. And so I was freaking out a little bit. And I'll never forget when I got the casting call because I didn't even go to open audition. And they set me up with a private audition. So for me, this little nobody from Slapout, Alabama who's playing her guitar in her basement and playing all these gigs around and then waking up at, or no, being up until 3 a.m. and then going straight to college. Like, I was, I had a full load of classes, so I was struggling. And to get this call from Universal, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make it. And then you get there, and nobody turns around, and I didn't really get the nicest feedback, and I was like, I'm not going to make it. And I'll just, that amount of heartbreak... I'm not going to make it on this show or in the I, I felt like I wasn't going to make it because my, like, Christina Aguilera and Adam Levine and, and CeeLo and these guys and Blake Shelton, I grew up listening to him. None of them turned around and they didn't really seem to like me very much. And I was, it just hurt so bad. So, but when you say I felt like I wasn't going to make I it. Thought I, I thought I sucked in, in music. In music in general, not, not on the just, show. Not specifically just on the show, but I was like, well, if none of them turned around, I must really suck. Okay, so then you're saying that that's what that did you mentally and emotionally, but here you are today. Because with I me said, screw it, I like my job. 
Okay. I, I thought, I don't want to be trapped in Slap Out forever. I love where I'm from. I love my roots. I love the values that that has given me. But music is something that I can't stop. I just, I can't. I'm incapable. That's the one thing I can't do is quit music. So you decided, let me lick my wounds. Let me overcome the hurt from yeah. them not turning around. I just, in the very next year, I got on American Idol. Yeah, and, and I was going to go to that next. So that was 2014, yeah. uh, American Idol season 13, and you were a top four finalist. Mm -hmm. So it was actually a blessing in disguise that I didn't get aired at all on The Voice season three because I would have been under a reality hold and I would have never been able to be on Idol the year that I was on it. So t t just take a little time to talk about the whole time on Idol and then also subsequently touring across the U.S. and Canada. I loved American Idol. I still have friends from that show. They're amazing people. It's an amazing production, and it's very fun. I mean, it's work. It's not everything you see on TV. The reality, if they had a TV show going on about behind the scenes, that would be one hell of a reality TV show because it's Hollywood. It's, it's more than what meets the eye. It's more than what people in a small town in Slapout, Alabama, it's more than what you see on TV. A lot of that's edited. But... It was the education of a lifetime. I was just going to say, the lesson that you learned from The Voice was, you know what, I can't not do music, so I'm right. disappointed that none of y'all turned around for me, but I'm doing it anyway. So what, what, what lessons did you come away with from American Idol? I learned that through the social media, you're going to get hate no matter what. So that's one major turning point in my life through American Idol that taught me to just be okay with being myself. Like, I I don't need to worry about what other people think of me because somebody's always going to find something they want to complain about. I remember I posted a picture, and I play guitar. So I had painted my nails, and the nail polish shredded off of my right hand from strumming hard. And I remember somebody commented that I was trashy and ugly because I had, like, crappy nail polish. And I was like, what a shallow individual. But it, it, like, was under my skin for the whole day. But because of that show, my skin got thicker, my spine got stronger, and I care a lot less about what other people think. If it's going to be constructive criticism, I'm open to that. But if it's just an opinion and you're just going to be a jerk, I don't really care. <laughs> now, I'm curious, was that something that you just had developed naturally within yourself or did someone from idol sit down and say Listen, no it was here's up to me happen it was all up to me that's the other thing that show you're in the limelight and you know what fame feels like there's tmz waiting outside of your hotel to try to get you messing up and they've gotten a couple idols after they're on the show and they're back home and they've caught them and they're on tmz and not in a good way and i just i don't know but subsequently touring across the U.S. and Canada, was that kind of a little bit less pressure? So touring for me, we were no longer competing. So, of course, there's a ton less pressure. And I was just in my element the whole time. I was performing every day. I was seeing a new place every day. Honestly, that's the tour on American Idol really let me see that when I was a kid and we moved around so much, that was just preparing me to do what I do. And I, I really woke up to that idea when I was on the tour for Idol. And that Idol Tour, those are arena shows, yes? Yeah, we played a lot of arenas, not really like massive stadiums or anything, but they were pretty big venues. We played the Greek in L.A., like that size venue. 
But is that eye-opening for you, too, though, to all of a sudden come out on stage in this Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. And there were some idols, like Dexter left the tour fairly early, and so I ended up with all of his parts because I knew everybody's parts. Wow. Because of orchestra. Because I play violin and I hear all the parts come together so I can pull them just out of my butt and just... Fantastic. It was so much fun. And I was pretty much, like, when I was on stage pretty much the entire show, and I loved it. I had a great time. I can, I can tell by the way that you're talking about well, it. Like, I really, truly feel like I was born to do what I'm doing, and that's why I'm doing it. Because I always tell people, you never lay on your deathbed wishing you had worked more. That's right. And I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life. I mean, sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes there's stuff you don't always want to do. There's, like, the business aspect, which I'm like, ugh, boring. But it's stuff you need to know, and it all comes together full circle. And ultimately, it's, like, the most fun I've ever had in my life, and I would not have it any other way. And American Idol was a big part of that. Well, and so, listeners, another sign of the success that Jessica is having is that you are signed to L.A. Entertainment Inc.'s management division, which is L.A. group management and includes a roster of stars that span all kinds of genres and eras. That has to be a, a, a nice pat on the back for you to, to be I actually with met my manager at NAMM. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Through one of my friends I met on The Voice. So it all comes full circle. Every disappointment, every letdown that you ever encounter in life, you never know what's going to happen. You really just have to follow what you love. Because like I said, I failed on The Voice. I lost American Idol. I didn't win any of those shows. But I met my manager at NAMM, and we're having an amazing career ride right now. Like, it's great. And I met him through a friend that was on The Voice with me. But it was just an introduction. It wasn't yeah. he came and saw you perform at NAM and said, okay, I like her. And I, I was performing at NAM, and I actually emailed my manager while I had my real job in Houston, Texas. I emailed him a song or two or three for a whole year, like every so often. And I'll never forget, I think it was in 2016. I was like, hey, just checking in. I wanted to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, blah, blah, blah. By the way, here's five songs I just wrote. And he was like, okay, let's schedule a call for the top of the year and see what we can do. And boom, here we are. Now you're talking about that manager that you just said you had met at NAM. That's who you were yep. emailing continuously. Yep. I stayed wow. in touch. And I always tell people, too, when they ask for my advice, it's all about relationships. You never know who you're talking to. And being a dick to anybody anytime never gets you anywhere. Yeah, that's great advice, and, and I love the persistence that you showed. I love that you kept following up and you stayed in touch with him. You have to. Just How bad do you want it, you know? Well, because then it also goes back to the old expression, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So if you didn't keep emailing. Well, I always think of people because, like I said, I'm from the middle of nowhere in Alabama. So if I want to talk to people who are like-minded, a lot of times I have to reach out. They're, they're not going to be around me in high school and, and like I said, I was kind of like the black swan or whatever, the ugly duckling, whatever you want to call it. So then I had mentioned in the intro, you performed on the Vans Warped Tour. Yeah, I won a spot right before I did. It was the day before my Idol audition. And I had won a spot online to play at the Atlanta Vans Warped Tour. And so I did. And listeners, you might recall episode 230 when my guest was Biebs, who was playing on the Vans Warped Tour. We did talk uh, about that whole thing, and, and she talked about 
getting to know the owner of the Vans Warped Tour. Go back and listen to episode 230 if you didn't hear that one. I also mentioned in the intro, this is really terrific, over 3 million streams of songs on your Half-Hearted album. Isn't that crazy? That's unbelievable. Like, how long would it take you wow. to count to 3 million? <laughs> I mean, we're talking August August 2018, yeah. so this is only, you know, five months ago. Yeah. And the iTunes Top 10 Country Album. Oh, I saw that. I lost my mind when I saw that. <laughs> I did. I really did. I popped open the champagne when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame it, but over 3 million streams of the songs on that album. And you are especially proud of the title track, Half-Hearted. Yeah, so I don't really like to complain and tell my sob story because I don't live my life that way. So when I tell people what I've been through, the bullying, the eating disorders, the body dysmorphia and the psychological effects that growing up in a place where you didn't belong has on you, that's to help people who are currently in that situation or just to let them know they're not alone because I know when I felt that way the worst feeling I had was that I felt alone and I think that's the worst feeling anyone could ever have so I wrote half-hearted one night in my apartment in Houston and I just that it's it's only a small piece of a very big puzzle of who I am but that was about the bullying and the eating and There was a time where I ate Xanax like candy because I was very sad. And I'm open about that because I know that I'm not the only one who's been through that. And and I know there are people going through it right now. But you don't need the Xanax. I remember I threw it away. I was like, I don't want to feel like a zombie anymore. And it was messing with my writing. It was messing with my artistry. And I don't have time for that crap. And neither should you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm on location at the 2019 Winter NAM show in Anaheim, California, talking with singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Jessica Muse. Visit her official website at jessicamuse.com. We will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And, of course, you can also engage with Jessica on social media. She is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And as you just heard us saying, obviously you can support her by purchasing her music since the album Half-Hearted is available on iTunes. Also keep up with Jessica online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. We'll be talking about that in just a minute. In the meantime, I also want to remind you about the Patreon for this show. If you get value from listening to this show every week, whether it's educational value from me and my guests, entertainment value, or some combination thereof, I'd greatly appreciate your support. I've now heard this entertainment. Go to nhte.net, and there's an orange button right there that says support us on Patreon, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash nhte. So, Jessica, upcoming shows. Listen to this list, listeners. Alabama, California, Washington, Oregon, (laughs) Nashville, Atlanta, uh, down in Florida. I'll have to come and see you. Uh, Montana, Pittsburgh, all over the place. Yep, I try to stay busy. I told you I like my job. That's that, that's that's quite a that's quite a list though. Yeah, so we've been working a lot on uh, festivals, and I'm working on obviously more bigger band shows, and we build a lot of radio around that because I'm trying to promote one of my songs and trying to get it airplay. So all those shows that all those locations that I just listed, those will be band shows. It's not solo. I Jessica. believe the majority of those are full band. And the, what does the full band look like? Well, it depends. So, for for instance, the gig at NAMM today, we have Bruce Watson. He plays in Foreigner. 
Wow. Uh, yes, he's amazing. I love Bruce. He is my spirit animal, and I love his hair. You should look him up. I like that, that he's Bruce W., just like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> we have Pete Corpella. He works with Josh Groban. He's worked with Danny Elfman, which is like one of my... Like, I'm in love with Danny Elfman and the soundtracks and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, anything he does with Tim Burton, I'm like, oh, Danny Elfman wrote for it. I need to go download this right now. And let's see. I don't want to miss anybody. We got Rock. He works with Ziggy Marley. We got and Rock. We have people who can count. It's so amazing because your band is only as strong as a drummer. And Rock and Pete are like human metronomes. It's ridiculous. I remember we were having rehearsal, and one of our tempos was like I don't know one one oh eight or something. And Pete's like he starts counting out one oh eight, and I was like, how does he know that? He just pulls it out of the sky and starts tapping <laughs> it's a it out. To know it. It's He's a like a robot. It. It's ridiculous. Travis Davis plays with Chicago. He's the bassist. But so getting back to this long list of cities, it sounds like it could vary from one location to the next yeah, in every terms now of the and size then it does. of the band. Yeah, we have Ed Roth on keys, too. I don't want to forget him. He plays MD all the time, and he's he makes sure that we sound good. Well, so listeners, as I always say, that'll give you incentive to keep up with Jessica online so you can see where and when you can go Mm -hmm. see her perform live and what her configuration is that night. Um, Obviously, this list, I'm sure, is only going to grow since we're only in the beginning of 2019. Yep, it's only January, y'all. And I was going to say, you'll probably be on the road most of the year. Yeah, the majority of the year. And then a lot of times, wherever I am, I see if they have a half marathon going on because apparently I like to wake up really early and run 13 miles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, you have said that you have, quote, unquote, the weirdest writing style. Explain that. Because sometimes I've actually had songs that just slap me in the face. The melody and the hook and everything, and I just kind of fill in the words around it. And there it is. Like, Love Her Better was like that. And I've had songs hit me the whole song while I was in the shower. And I was like, God dang it. I got to get out the shower. I got to go write this down. I got voice note this right now or I'll forget it. One time I actually wrote a song because I dreamed about it. I had a dream about a song. And it's actually one I haven't played yet because it's brand new. But I literally had a dream about this song. It's about L.A. And I had the melody and everything. And I dreamed about it. And so you woke up the next morning or you woke up in the middle of the night and I, It was in the morning you. because I, I feel like, I, I don't know, time doesn't exist when you're dreaming apparently. It's so weird. But I feel like I just had it and then I woke up and it was early, but I just got up and I wrote it down. And uh, it's a small world after all, as mm-hmm. they say, an hour to the east of me when I'm home in Tampa over at Disney really? in Orlando. Uh, it turns out that you did a co-write with Buck Johnson, who yeah. not only was the guest on episode 169 of this show, but I know Buck really? anyways, and you did a co-write with him. Yeah, I did. We did a co-write with him and David Norris, who actually... Who co- I also know very really? well. Really? Yeah. That's so crazy. I, I actually know Dave better than I know Buck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Small world. That's weird. Very, That's so very. crazy. I told you, it's like I bump into people from Slap Out at Nam, and now we all know the same people. So crazy. Uh, but because Buck and Dave are both based in Nashville, how are you just getting co-writes with? But 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 how are you getting introduced to them? I don't remember how I met Dave, but I met Buck through Dave. Wow. Yeah, and he's a sweetheart. He's such a nice guy. Oh, they they both are. They both are. Oh, they're, they're all they're, awesome. They're both I don't, great guys. Hey, I hang out with the best people, and I hang out with people I want to be like. So. Nice. 
I think that's you are your friends. You are the people you surround yourself with. So I make sure that's all good people. Uh, You've mentioned a few times about bullying. And in fact, listeners, Jessica dedicates time to raising awareness about domestic violence, cyberbullying, the Children's Cancers Association, St. Jude, Mm -hmm. and other organizations. Yeah. So when I said I, I run half marathons... That's oftentimes for St. Jude. I'll, uh, I ran the St. Jude Half Marathon in December 2018. And uh, I'm going to try to run my first full marathon, hopefully for St. Jude, this coming December. Is there, if you're comfortable talking about it, is there a personal attachment to any of those? I mean, obviously the bullying yeah. you mentioned. So I live my life getting picked on a lot. Um, I've had to work through that. Obviously I had like self-esteem issues and eating problems because of that. The domestic violence, I was in a very, very unhealthy relationship where it was not just physical. Like, he never punched me, but he grabbed me at one time. And I just remember looking in his eyes and I was like, oh, my God, he's going to hit me. And I took off. I left. And it was very scary because, you know, people who are hurt hurt the people they love the most. And... Like, I'm a psych minor now, or psych major, my bad, but I'm finishing my degree, so I was accidentally a psych minor, and that's why I figured, let's get back in school. I'm actually taking class right now, but I've started to understand that more instead of blaming myself. Like, I was gaslighted for so long and made to think I was the crazy one, and that's how I ended up on Xanax, and I had a prescription for Busparin, Lexapro, Zoloft. I had all of it, and I was a zombie. I had Klonopin, too. But I like my Xanax. Well, and we've all heard the expression, hurt people yeah, hurt people. they really do. And it sounds like I that's what it. you're describing. Yeah. It was really tough. I'm obviously in a much better place now. But I always tell people, if there's somebody who's hurting you, even if it's psychological, that's neither one is worse than the other. They are both bad. That's both. Both of them are abusive, and you should leave. And don't be afraid to leave. You need to leave before somebody kills you. And listeners, getting back to the topic of bullying, I always refer people back to episode 147 with Brielle Von Hugel. Brielle Von Hugel was very outspoken on that episode about bullying and about the platform that she's using to raise awareness for bullying. So uh, between what Jessica is saying here, what Brielle said on that episode, uh, take take heed with, with their advice, with their insights. Children's Cancer or St. Jude, is there any reason that you selected one or both of those? Well, those are mainly because I feel... Like, children are the future, and we need to take care of them. And what we show them is what they're going to learn. So if we show them love and compassion and we help them, like, why wouldn't you want to help a cause like St. Jude or Children's Cancer Association? Those are amazing, wonderful causes. Everybody I've ever worked with at either of those has been absolutely amazing. They're great people, great human beings. And I don't know if you've ever actually been to the campus on St. Jude, but... It will change your life to walk through that hospital. Most hospitals are really foreboding and scary. And they, with my anxiety, I get really upset and it bothers me. But St. Jude was this happy place. And it's, it's, just, it's, almost, it's healing for me to go there just to see the kids. They're tough. They're happy. They're smiling. You know, they, they, the families don't have to worry about anything except their kid getting better. And I think that's one of the best things ever. You shouldn't have to worry about money when you're just trying to keep your kid alive. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, on, a, on a slightly less heavy note, I saw on Instagram that you have a knife collection. What's that all about? 
What? Doesn't everybody have a knife collection? <laughs> I've just picked up weird knives over the years. I've got lots of weird knives. Okay, but how cool is this? You're going to the Grammys? I'm going to the Grammys. I almost peed myself when my manager said, hey, do you want to go to the Grammys? I told him, nuh-uh, get out. I said, am I breathing? So he's like, yep, you're going. Amazing. And this episode will have come out right after the Grammys will have passed, but it doesn't matter. We can still talk about it anyways because mm-hmm. that's tremendous. It's, it's, it's probably hard to... Like you were saying before, like you know, like dealing with all the business stuff, and right? Even the stuff you do enjoy, you're probably so distracted thinking about it's getting closer, it's getting well, remember, closer. I'm going to the Grammys. We were talking about fangirling, so think of me at the Grammys. I'll be at the after party too. I have to hold all that in, so I don't get thrown out. That's going to be hard. So before I have you talk about the actual song itself that we're going to play at the end, uh, which is "Thank God It Didn't Work." Um, that's the song that you wrote with Dave Norris yep. and Kelly. it's on the top 100 media based country radio chart and has gotten 1.3 million music video Facebook streams I didn't know that last number but that's oh amazing <laughs> um, but forgive me I did not see the video for that one tell me about the video well for it, it doesn't have an official video out it's a lyric video as of right now but uh do you want me to talk about the song? But, but that's even more impressive that it's quote unquote just a lyric video because I'm amazed when I see these videos on YouTube that are just lyric videos mm-hmm. and they have millions. It's like, okay, I could see if it was a really cool, terrific production that's mm-hmm. just a music video and it's gotten over a million streams. Well, I mean, that makes me happy. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I just learned that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, before we end here and, and play that song, go ahead and tell the listeners all about Thank God It Didn't Work. So Thank God It Didn't Work was actually my first co-write, and I wrote it with Dave Norris and Kelly Walls. And I had to drive up to Nashville to because we don't have a lot of prolific songwriters in Slapout, Alabama. So I had four and a half hours to think about what I wanted to write about when I got there. And remember what I was saying about the voice and how... If I had been shown, I would have been under reality hold and I would have never been able to do American Idol. I don't know where I would be today if it had worked out any differently. So that song is actually inspired by the fact that I didn't make it and it shattered my heart. And the very next year, my life went crazy on American Idol and everything just changed so fast. So you never know what's just waiting for you. It might be a week. It might be a month. It might be more than a couple years. But... It's that whole unanswered prayers thing, and that's what Thank God It Didn't Work was about. But when you say that was your first co-write yeah. ever? Yeah. So were you So were you nervous thinking, hey, I usually just write by myself. I don't know how this is going to go. I, I wasn't sure how that co-write would be, but Dave and Kelly were so chill. They were like, Let's, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And they were so personable that I wasn't really worried. So they knew this was your first co-write? I think so. Maybe. I might not have told them. (laughs) But in that case, thank God it did work. (laughs) Thank God it did work, yes. Well, Jessica, this has been great. Thank thank you for for all your time. It's great to meet you. You And all the best with what sounds like it's going to be a busy 2019. I hope to see you you when you come perform in Florida. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let us know. Fantastic. Thank you. Listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to my guest, Jessica Muse, singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. Do visit her official website at jessicamuse.com. We'll put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. 
and then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter, follow her on Instagram, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then like and watch the videos on there. For that matter, tell you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Be sure to keep up with Jessica online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. And again, even though we mentioned it before, it bears repeating. Her album, Half-Hearted, is available on iTunes, so do support Jessica by downloading her music from there. You can support this show through the Patreon campaign, which is at patreon.com slash nhte, or just go to the show website, nhte.net, and click on the orange Support Us on Patreon button to go over there, read all about it. If you're thinking like Kickstarter and things like that, that's not what this is. It's not a 30-day campaign. Decide what you're most comfortable supporting the show at, and know that I greatly, greatly appreciate you listening, subscribing, and, of course, contributing to the Patreon Thanks for listening. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll close you out with another song from Jessica Muse. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Thank God It Didn't Work. I still taste that whiskey kiss. Last time I said I had enough of this, I let him walk. But I wish I hid the keys He broke my heart and he sped off fast And looking back at how the broken glass Shattered more than just these small town dreams And just to think I nearly jumped in It's no use in looking back on what Smell a sweet cologne It might be best If I just fall asleep I can't live with the way this feels I could hold the Bible Get down and kneel Or grab the bottle above the bathroom sink Let's just say the Bible's still collecting dust There's no use in looking Things you forgive that you just can't